the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, November the 14th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1851, Herman Melville's novel, Moby Dick, or it was sometimes known as The Whale, it was published in the United States about a month after being released in Britain. Today in 1910, Eugene B. Eli He became the first aviator to take off from a ship. He was uh, flying a Curtis Pusher. He rolled off a sloping platform on the deck of a scout cruiser. It was USS Birmingham off Hampton Roads, Virginia. No one had thought of that before, apparently, but he was the first to do it successfully, and now that is a major part, as you know, of our defense system around the world. Today, 1915... Black leader and educator Booker T. Washington. He died in Tuskegee, Alabama. He was 59 years old. I read this story when I was a kid. I was probably 10, 12 years old. They had a whole series of books They in our public library there. and they, they were orange. I just remember they were orange, and they were about a, three-quarters of an inch thick. It was pretty big print, but they were written for kids. But it was a story of a whole, just a lot of people, and those were the days when they didn't use every printed word to try to influence children into the deepest, darkest crevices of our society, as they do now. But uh, anyway, it was a series of people, a whole bunch of people, Eli Whitney and a whole bunch of people in there. And Booker T. Washington was one of them. I read his life story and I found it very inspiring as a kid. Kind of still remember some, I won't put you through it, but I remember some of the parts of his life from that book all those years ago. Well, it wasn't that many years ago, but those years ago. Today in 1969, Apollo 12 blasted off the moon three months after Apollo 11 had become the first manned mission to land on the moon. Today in 1972, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed above the 1,000 level for the first time. 1972, above 1,000 for the first time. It ended the day at 1,003.16. Today in 2020, Donald Trump supporters, unwilling to accept the Democrat Joe Biden's election victory, they gathered in cities across the country, I remember that well, including Washington, D.C., thousands of people rallied. Yes, some of them were rowdy, but for the most part, they had an abiding conviction that the 2020 presidential election was messed with in some way. There was just that sense about it all. Not because their guy, not because Trump lost. It was bigger than that. Because they had seen enough and heard enough with their own eyes and their own ears, they felt like something was very wrong with the election process. I could understand that. We came to know over time that there were some things very, very wrong with the election process. 
there were too many little vans and trucks running around at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning dropping off huge bundles of ballots. Now, there's an abundance of evidence that there were some things wrong with that election, the process. And yet, the left has successfully conscripted the press to go after anyone who even suggests there could have been any kind of corruption in that election. Anyone. And they really go after them and try to destroy them. That's part of why they're trying to destroy Trump. Now, the other part is obvious. They don't want him to become president again. And the only way they know how to beat him is either through, in the middle of the night, handling ballots or whatever they were doing, and destroying him publicly, as they're trying to do now. It's an amazing thing. I never thought I'd see the day in America when we see our country doing what we're doing today with the judges laughing and mocking Trump and his family, with judges running for office like the current one that's trying him now, one of the current ones, run for office and the theme of her election campaign was if you elect me, I'll get Trump. I didn't believe it was that direct. So I went back and found some videos of her campaigning. And boy, she was saying it was the, it was the theme. It was the point of the spear. If you elect me, I'll get Donald Trump. I'll bring him down. They elected her. She's trying. And she's got a lot of backing from the press and from other people who have very different worldviews than most of us have. They are a minority in America, thankfully, but they have positioned themselves to where they appear to be a majority. Interesting. There are many signs in our times of the coming of the Lord. Hamas militants captured by Israeli soldiers have admitted during interrogations that they hide inside hospitals and use ambulances for terrorist purposes. This is according to a new uh, recording that was released by the Israeli Defense Forces this week. Every time the, the press reports on this, you've probably noticed this. I hope you have. Every time the press reports on something having to do with the fact that the terrorists hang around playgrounds and hospitals and churches and things like mosques or whatever, things like that, the local people across the country and the national people as well on, on the various ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, and so on, they have this real sarcastic, kind of a gnarly look and sound in their voice when they report on it. They want it to be very unpleasant. They don't want you to believe what they're reporting on because they have to report it. It's so obvious. But now it's out. The video released by the Israeli Defense Force, IDF, and they put it on X, on formerly Twitter. It's an Israeli interrogator is heard asking a Hamas militant what ambulances are used for. This is on, on it's a, it, it's a conversation. I mean, it's there. 
So he's asking him, he says, what are, what are ambulances used for? Well, this terrorist replies, this is a guy that's been uh, deprogrammed a little bit and, and had some you know pretty, pretty intense uh, discussions, I think, with interrogators. But he says, well, anything important, such as transporting Hamas commanders. These are ambulances or aid cars, whatever you want to call them. In a video released, he's, he, he says, they're asking, what are they used for? And he said, anything important, such as transporting Hamas commanders. The interrogator, interrogator then asked the man why the terrorist group uses ambulances and not regular vehicles. The terrorist replies on this um, audio tape, he says, Jews don't attack ambulances. He says in his own tongue, but it's, it's being interpreted in, in English. Jews don't attack ambulances. That's interesting because they don't. This last week, IDF spokesperson uh, Daniel Hagari, he shared footage on X of an intercepted call between a Gazan citizen and a Hamas terrorist. The IDF spokesperson pointed to the call as proof that Hamas exploits ambulances, hospitals, clinics, mosques, and schools for terrorist purposes. In the recording, the resident is heard asking if he should send the terrorist an ambulance. These are two Hamas guys talking. Should, should he send the terrorist an ambulance? The terrorist replies that he had ambulances and that he can go, can go out uh, with whatever ambulance I want. He said they're available. The resident uh, told the terrorist that there was an ambulance that could come for him and bring him to the entrance of his house. The terrorist responds, I'm quoting him, Brother, there are ambulances that go and come back. I can go with any ambulance. <laughs> so when, next time the press reports on that and they look as with great concern over terrorists perhaps getting killed, uh, that's part of what's behind the story. And when a, it's sad, I mean, it's very sad when someone who is not directly involved in the war loses their life, but war is sad. War is hell. It's awful. But it's not the way it's presented on the news so often, and that's one, one evidence of that. Emotions were running hot in Virginia on Election Day last week. One man was recorded verbally confronting a Republican outside a voting precinct. What happened there is kind of a sign of the times. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today and what was happening there. I think it reflects where we are today in our culture. And it isn't pretty, but... The reality is there, and we need to be informed. First Peter chapter 3, verse 12 and 13 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you, if ye be followers of that which is good? I think we need to keep verses like this from God's word very close to the front of our mind and in our heart. We need to keep all of God's word. But these verses are going to become more and more important to us as believers as we go forward over the next number of months. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 27, the eternal God is thy refuge. Underneath are the everlasting arms. He shall thrust out the enemy before thee and shall say, destroy them. In Isaiah chapter 59, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. These are truths that we need to remember and we need to keep very close to our heart and our mind. About the guy in Virginia. Matthew Hurt is the chair of the GOP in Arlington County. That's the northern portion of the state. It's very close to Washington, D.C. It's just across the river, the Potomac River. He posted a video on X, formerly Twitter, that shows a shows a man approaching him while he was legally passing out literature endorsing specific candidates and initiatives. He was doing nothing illegal, nothing wrong. He was doing what the political process is supposed to be about. Last week, he said, I did not expect the encounter to blow up like it did, he told Newsweek magazine. He said, most, most believe America is at a boiling point. I say it will soon boil over. Unfortunately, we are a divided, a very angry nation. We want to guard against that as we want to be we we want to be righteously indignant. Be outraged, but do so righteously. Don't be caught up in the bitter, angry fighting that's out there today. The the left is is fomenting that. Saul Alinsky taught that they should do that. He's their kind of their guru of the left. And they're doing it. In this video, it was posted by Hurt. It's been viewed by over 12 million people as of last night when I was looking at it. On the X platform, there's a, it shows a man in a t-shirt, the cargo shorts, they're walking towards him and they're initiating a conversation. Hurt referred to the incident as a, quote, unhinged progressive confronting a Republican poll greeter. This guy is heard as a poll greeter, and he gives people, you know, he gives them information and so on. All What he was doing was legal. That wasn't even challenged by his enemies. As it turns out, the guy who went ballistic, losing it on a Republican poll greeter, was identified as a long-term federal contractor. His name is Brendan Anthony Martin. His opposition research company, this Marco Polo, they exposed Martin's identity on Twitter using facial recognition tools. Martin was trying to hide who he was, but he allegedly works for this technical administrator. He's a technical administrator, and he works for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services in foster care system, according to his LinkedIn uh, page that was found by this by this group by Marco Polo uh, company. I'm not going to embed the video because in our, the article that I wrote today, but I did write one, and uh, the the words are just you you can hardly bleep them all out, and so I didn't I didn't include this on an article that I wrote, but I did write an article on this with more information that I'll talk about today. But I want to talk to you a little bit about this and what, how, reflecting on it, what it means to us. But it was, it was bizarre, and it, it, it kind of reflects where our nation is. It's not unlike our nation was 
in Abraham Lincoln's time. But in a sanitized version of the video, it said, when you expletive people try to overthrow the election, this guy said to this Republican, he walked up to him and just really took him on. I mean, just yelling and coming at him. He said, when you ex- expletive people try to overthrow the election, you might as well have been walking to my head on the way to the polling station, getting a gun to my head and trying to tell me not to vote. And you expect me not to take that expletive personally. You expletive try to overthrow elections with violence, and then you're out here uh, among decent people. What do you have to say to that? Well, heard he was behind his camera. He said he later said he, what he this guy what he realized what he was doing. He just turned on his his phone, his camera, and, and started uh, videoing it. So Hurt said he he was behind the camera and he said thanks he thanks the man and and he he seems to want to con- conclude the ordeal I mean he really did and of course he knew he was videoing it but the man then asked what his policy prescriptions are referring to the racist rights and the conservatives involving themselves in people's lives and in people's bedrooms of course he's talking about abortion and you know, gay marriage and those kind of homosexual marriage, which isn't marriage. Then there's this. The man called Hurt a expletive animal before temporarily walking away. Then he had second thoughts. So he turns around and he came back. And he said, if you try to steal my vote next year, I'm going to expletive remember you personally. These guys are from the same area. And he threatens to remember you personally. Now, (laughs) then there was this. He told another guy there who was being a little nicer, another Democrat, was being a little nicer to this Mr. Hurt. He said, try not to be buddy-buddy with these people because they put on the face of a good neighbor. But they support lynch mobs, expletive, KKK, and their expletive, Bible-beating bigots and freaks bible beating bigots and freaks that's how he describes christians (laughs) joshua arnold was writing for the stand he he noted how the man describes christians he said bible beating bigots and freaks he said a bigot is a person who is ostensibly or intolerantly devoted to his or her own opinions and prejudices A freak is one that is markedly unusual or abnormal. Despite the negative connotations, this angry progressive voter is describing people who believe the Bible contains absolute truth and are unwilling to compromise on that. In short, Bible-believing Christians, evangelicals. That's what they think of you and me if we're Bible-believing Christians. I'm not saying they all do, but I'm saying that is not isolated to one guy in Virginia a week ago. That is a pervasive feeling. I see it all the time in the research I do. Boy, I'll tell you, that's that's what we feel in this nation. It's not really about politics. It's about hatred for people to, of faith. And our founding fathers, they try to dismiss and destroy every every evidence of our past and every evidence of God's eternal truth. They hate the Bible. They hate the people who profess to believe the Bible. 
They don't want any part of it. And these people have embedded themselves, as this guy has, into HHS. He's a part of it. And they've embedded themselves into places where they can have influence and they can make a difference and influence certain things that are happening. And he's that angry at a guy who's just standing there legally passing out information about issues. He's a welcomer or whatever they call them. His characterization is uncharitable. It's largely incorrect, but it doesn't matter. He's saying it and people are hearing it. The term bigot applies to people who unreasonably insist on opinions that they haven't thought through. (laughs) But many Christians have thought deeply about their faith. G.K. Chesterton, he he once said that, uh, well, he said a lot about this, but he once said in his autobiography, he said, quote, the object of mining, opening the mind as of opening the mouth is to shut it again on something solid. As to the term freak, it's true that born-again Christians are unusual, but they are not abnormal to a moral compass pointing to true north. That's true. We only appear that way to people who see the world the wrong way around. Like Isaiah said, good for good becomes evil, and evil becomes good, and bitter becomes sweet, and sweet becomes bitter. In the minds of these people, they become so perverted by wrong what they call truth, wrong information. It's true, born-again Christians are unusual, but we're not freaks. And in a world where there is a Christian consensus, which was what America had for so long after our founding, Christianity isn't even abnormal, much less freakish. They only appear that way to people who see the world the wrong way around. And as far as Bible beating, that's an evocative phrase. Christians, what Christians do, do to their Bible should be far closer to believe, obey, and submit than beat on it. And I know, I know what he's referring to. He's heard the term in the past, I assume. They used to say Bible thumpers. They would use that. That was the most uh, negative thing they could think of just a few years ago and they were always referring to us in the media and so on as Bible thumpers or thumping his Bible and so on and I think that's probably what this guy was thinking when he in anger said these things but note the irony from this brief exchange it seems unlikely that this enraged voter has ever met a Christian or for that matter a Republican he talks like he lives in a cave he's not connected to anything that's real He called Bible-believing Christians bigots, but he's the one that's displaying the uninformed prejudice toward another group of people. That's bigotry. He's doing it while he accuses us of being that. Oh, boy. In a recent interview with Family Research Council President Tony Perkins, House Speaker Mike Johnson, I've mentioned him several times, he has become the bullseye of the target, I can tell you. They are really going after him because he's very open with his faith. And he's very committed to Jesus Christ and the truth of the Bible and so on. And he's a very brilliant politician. He's very well-spoken, very articulate. And uh, 
he was on with Tony Perkins on their radio show the other day, uh, earlier this week, actually. And he um, was talking about what he has faced in Washington as a result of his Christian faith. He said, man, he said, there are whole industries, he said, as you know, that are dedicated to taking down public officials like me, Johnson said. He said, they can't stand the idea that someone would openly acknowledge their faith. He said, that's not in vogue in Washington anymore. It hasn't been for a long time. That's true. But it's also true across the country in too many places, too often, too much. The anti-Christian bias seems to have spread beyond select industries to infect a large part of the federal bureaucracy. So when Christians go to Washington to advance, well, say, pro-life policies, for example, the pro-life marches and so on, or even if they're there just to, to support bills that are basic morality, they're bound to face this kind of a spirit, this near-crushing opposition. Never never in my life did I think America would become this. But we have. Perkins was talking about on this radio program, I listened to some of it. He said he connected the hostility faced by Christians to the rising wave of anti-Semitism across America. And there is a connection there. He's right. During his time as chair on the U.S. Commission of International Religious Freedom, uh, Perkins He said that they heard testimony from a U.N. official overseeing efforts to counter anti-Semitism in Europe. He he said that this U.N. guy warned that we need to be paying attention because it's the canary in the coal mine, said Perkins. And when you look at what's happening here in the United States, it's not going to stop with this anti-Israel, anti-Jewish hatred. He said, I mean, it moves to Christianity next. History tells us that. He's right. He said on Monday, news broke that a pro-Palestinian protest in Los Angeles had reached a new low when a protester struck a 69-year-old man on the head with a bullhorn, knocking him to the ground. The man later died at the hospital. The death was ruled a homicide. Only days after anti-Semitic protesters struck and killed an elderly, elderly Jewish man, a federal contractor near the nation's capital, indulged in profanity-laced rant against Bible-believing Christians. These two incidences share no direct causal link, but both are symptoms of this rising tide of intolerance and hostility towards religion. No, not all religions, just Christianity mostly, and Judaism. Particularly those religions based on the Bible. That's a part of the cancel culture, to try to suppress, repress, to make people of faith feel like they're isolated and alone, so they'll go silent. That's all the more reason that we need to speak up. This is not a time to be silent. This is the time to live our lives, not in fear, but in victory. Jesus Christ has died and risen from the dead. We live in victory, regardless of the circumstances around us. Perkins referred to a, a verse from some paraphrased version, but he said, this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of the foolish people. That's 1 Peter 2, verse 15, I believe. He said, that's what Speaker Johnson aims to do, but he earnestly needs prayer. He said, Paul instructed all of us to pray for those in high positions. He said, even if they aren't Christians, but he said, how much more we should pray for those people like Mike Johnson and others who are sold out to the Lord 
and they love the country and are serving it. Inevitably, they're going to face enormous, enormous attacks. Trump is experiencing that now. Mike Johnson certainly will because of his testimony and others. Pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. Particularly pray for those who love the Lord and follow his word. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.